It was 245 years ago today, July 4, 1776, that the Continental Congress boldly declared that the 13 American colonies were no longer subject or subordinate to the monarch of Britain, King George III. That they are now free, united, and independent states. Congress voted unanimously to approve the resolution on July 2, but it was not declared until July 4, thus the Declaration of Independence. It was prepared primarily by Thomas Jefferson, a committee of five. The dream of democracy, a nation that was governed by the people and for the people, was beginning to take shape. On July 4, 1776, the United States of America was born. Happy birthday, America. But as with all things, Aging can take a toll on us. Have you noticed? Some of us are losing a little hair. We're putting on weight where we don't want it. We're waking up with a few more aches and pains in the morning. Aging is not always kind to us. Some people would rather not celebrate their birthdays. They try to ignore or deny that they are getting older. One elderly woman said that looking at her bare body in a mirror was like browsing at an antique shop. <laughs> said, a few things look like new. Many things are cracked and worn. A lot of things don't work anymore. And some things are barely recognizable. I wonder today, would this nation, 245 years after it was birthed, be recognizable to its founding fathers? If Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and the others were alive today, would they even recognize America? Is this what they had in mind? There's not a person here today who doesn't love this great nation, but the fact is, America has changed over the years. Aging has not always been kind to us. Some of us can barely recognize this nation. Nothing like we remember when growing up. Things are different. One could argue that they are worse. The U.S seems much less Christian today. We could see it reflected in our hymnody, how, how God was a part of those early uh, hymns in the early parts of this nation. Political parties are polarized. Political discourse is degrading. Crime, hatred, guns, murder, and social issues plague this nation. There is great disunity in these United States today. Aging has not always been kind. Some parts are barely recognizable. And yet, I stand here before you today as a person of hope. Call me a fool, but I still believe in the promise of America and even more so in the promises of God. As children of God, we are never without hope. 
Is not Almighty God capable of, capable of doing anything, even bringing revival and renewal to our land? Did not Jesus change the world with just 12 men? How many are we here today? Imagine the, in, the change that the entire church could bring to America if we rise up and stand strong on God's word and on God's promises. I want to share with you today three reasons to be hopeful for the future of America. Three reasons. You might want to write these down in the outline I provided in your bulletin. Number one, God is sovereign. Just say it with me. God is sovereign. How many of you know that God is on his throne even today? How many of you know that God is still reigning supreme over this nation and every nation? We just sang, sing to the king. Despite all of the craziness, all of the divisions, all of the wrong, despite floods and famine and climate change and building collapses, God forbid, despite Donald Trump and Joe Biden, despite Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi, God is still on his throne. God is still in charge. And better yet, God is still good. It's not as if God was somehow surprised or shocked at who was elected president at the last cycle or the cycle before that. It's not that God was scratching his heads when the coronavirus broke out and saying, oh my goodness, what happened? That kind of slipped through my hands. God is still in charge. God's got this. As some have said, things are not falling apart. They're falling into place even when it's difficult and hard, even when we don't like the direction things may be going. But hear the testimony of Scripture on this point. Romans 13, 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Romans 13. Proverbs 21. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. Even Jesus, at his sentencing before Pilate in John chapter 19, Pilate says to Jesus, Don't you realize I have the power to either free you or crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no power over me unless it were given to you from above. The psalmist simply said in Psalm 47, verse 8, God reigns over the nations. And that includes the good old U.S. of A. The truth is, every person, every politician, every president, every prime minister, every corporate executive, executive, every political pundit, every news network, including Fox and CNN and MSNBC and whatever ones you listen to, every big wig and even big bird himself, every person who has ever walked the planet, including you and me, will one day answer to this almighty God. In Philippians 2, verses 10 through 11, Paul reminds us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess 
that Jesus is Lord. I don't know about you, but it gives me comfort to know that we have a God who is sovereign. The question for us is, did we live our lives individually and as a nation in accordance with God's way? Or did we live our lives in accordance with some American ideal which may be very different? Did we follow the example of Jesus? Did we love liberally? Did we live lives of compassion and grace and mercy and truth? Do our lives reflect the character and generosity of Jesus? For He is our example. Or did we follow presidents or political parties whose lives and agendas reflect nothing of the character of Jesus? The fact is, some people are more Republican than Christian. Some people are more Democrat than Christian. I'm happy to say, as I've shared with you before, I'm not an elephant or a donkey. I'm a sheep. And I follow the Good Shepherd. For our citizenship is not primarily in the U.S. of A. Paul says, no, you are citizens of heaven, Philippians 3, verse 20. May our lives, therefore, emulate and exemplify the living, loving Jesus in all that we do because we live our lives as subjects to a higher authority, subjects in God's kingdom. Our allegiance, in first and foremost, is to King Jesus, not to any earthly nation or even a flag. Our future, our hope, our solace is in God, regardless of how crazy things may get and what happens in this nation moving forward. And God's plans are always ultimately for the good of His people. Amen? God is sovereign. Number two, God is salvation. Say it with me. God is salvation. Anybody other than me think that perhaps America needs saving? <laughs> Despite what, we may, what many believe was a Christian foundation, our nation seems to have become more godless over the years. We've strayed more and more from God's truth. Crime, the killing of unborn children, immorality, abuse, gun violence, exploitation of children and youth, injustices, racism, hate speech, confusion of gender, an epidemic of opioids, abuse and addiction, why there is no shortage of social issues that plague this nation. Only God can help. Where do we turn for help? The truth is we are not without hope. We have a God who forgives. We have a God who relents. There is a God who saves. In Psalm 38, the psalmist said, O Lord, do not forsake me. Be not far from me. Come quickly to help me. O Lord, my salvation. Say it with me. O Lord, my salvation. In Isaiah 12, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And in today's passage, the Lord appears to Solomon. And he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal 
their land. Anybody think that our land needs healing? It's interesting because the Hebrew word here for healing is, is, is related, the word shalom. The word shalom, which uh, in the New Testament can also refer to well-being and healing and salvation. The word in Greek is sozo, sounds like a laundry detergent or something, you know. Put sozo and you get suds, I don't know. It's not that this promise is given specifically for America. It was given in a specific time, in a place, for the people of Israel, God's people then. However, I believe that there are principles that can relate and be applied to us today too. Four conditions for the healing and salvation of America. Number one, the Scripture says, humble yourself, humble ourselves. Psalmist, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 100, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. James simply put it this way. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Humble yourself. We live in a world, in a society where we want to build, each other, we want to build ourselves up. We, we want to get high. We want to, we want to be on top. But God's way is just the opposite. He inverts the pyramid of power and says, no, the greatest among you is the one who serves and, and the one who humbles himself before me. He's the one I'll lift up. Friends, we need to collectively humble ourselves before God. And that just simply means to acknowledge that I'm not really even in control of my life. We think we are. You think you're in control. Guess what? You're not. Hate to break it to you. Me either. God is still in charge. We live our lives before Him. Therefore, we humble ourselves. Number two, and pray and pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Anybody anxious, a little nervous about things from time to time? No? Yeah. Paul says, pray continually, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Uh, Martin Luther, that great theologian, said... Um, that uh, as a shoemaker works with leather, so Christians work in prayer. That's our medium for shaping and molding and developing new things, new realities in our world. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Humble yourselves. Pray to God. Third, fourth, excuse me, I can't count. Seek God. Number three, seek God. What are you seeking? A lot of people seek fame or fortune or fun. Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. He was referring to our basic needs. In Psalm 34, verse 10, the psalmist said, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And David simply put it this way in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. For this good shepherd, he provides 
for the sheep. But I love how, how the Lord puts this. Not just to humble yourselves, but to pray, but to seek God. Not just what God can do. Not just something from God, but to seek God. To seek Him for who He is. To admire Him, to adore Him, to worship Him. To say, Lord, I want to know You more. I want to be like You. I am seeking God for the sake simply of a relationship with God. Not just for what God can do for me but because I love God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Humble ourselves, pray to God, seek God. Fourthly, turn from our sin. Turn from our sin. I don't know exactly where you are personally in relationship to God today. Um, There's a saying that's kind of goes around Christian circles. Um, hate the sin and love the sinner. And uh, that, that's kind of a good saying. Um, but Jesus never really said that. Basically what he said and taught was hate, uh, love the sinner and hate the sin in your life. Take a look at yourself. Get the log out of our own eye before we point fingers at someone else. This whole passage is a prayer. It's in response. God's promises, a response to Solomon's prayer. Turn from your wicked ways. And I will... Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive our sin and will heal your land. Peter simply said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And 1 John 1, 9 simply says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are we sorry for our sins? My concern is that maybe we and America as a whole have gotten too comfortable with sin. It's like, oh, that's who I am, you know. I'm counting on God's grace. Well, that's good. God is gracious, yes, but don't be skating on thin ice, friends. It may be time to repent. And maybe that's what some of us need to do before the sun goes down today. To turn from your sin. Because when we do, God promises that He can heal, He can bring salvation to this land to our lives. One of the interesting things about this particular promise is how it begins. The Lord says, if my people who are called by my name. That's interesting. It doesn't say if everybody in the whole nation, you know, turns to me and does these. It's just, if my people if just my people, the ones who are called by my name, if the Israelites, today we'd say that the church, if my people, who are we? We're the people of God. If the church of Jesus Christ in this nation and around the world, if only we would, would do these things, why God can have favor upon the entire land. 
I mean, that's kind of the connotation here. It, it, it's an amazing promise. Uh, even if there's ten righteous, you know, uh, think about that from the Old Testament. You know, God can have favor and can forgive and bring salvation. And that's a good thing because America, it's not everybody's a Christian. Uh, you know that. In fact, our Constitution guarantees freedom of religion for all religions, not just for Christians or a select few, and I'm kind of glad it does. I don't really want Uncle Sam telling me how to worship, what we have to do here on Sunday morning, what we can't do on a Sunday morning. Uh, separation between church and state is a healthy thing, I believe. Jesus even said in Matthew 22, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. There is a difference between state and faith in God. That only if we as Christians, even if only we as Christians, the church of Jesus would rise up and turn to God, God can heal. He can bring healing and salvation even to a nation. I have hope for America because God is sovereign and God is salvation. Do you? Do you? Number three, and this one, this one is really, really cool. God is spirit. God is spirit. Say it with me. Hear the testimony of Scripture on this point. John 4, verse 24, God is spirit. His worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. In Acts 2, we learn there about the Pentecost story, how it was that, that God sent His Spirit to descend on individuals. And each person became filled with the Holy Spirit and was enabled to speak in languages that they did not know. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And the reason that this gives us such hope is that even as Jesus has ascended into heaven, you and I now manifest His presence on earth in America today by virtue of this Holy Spirit living in each one of us. Rather than just one Jesus walking the earth in bodily form, limited in time and space, God now has several million Jesuses, Jesus representatives, you and me, walking this earth. No, we're not Jesus, but we represent him. Sharing and showing God's love, doing his will. In fact, it's been said, you may be the only Jesus that some people will ever see or meet. And so with each one of us doing our own part to share and show the love of God in our little corner of the world, wherever we are, and with whomever people we would meet and impact, God is present there through you and me. And we have the privilege of bringing the power, the presence, the peace, the healing, even the salvation of God in a way through the Spirit of God who lives in us. The presence and reign of God becomes manifest on earth now, today, through you and me because His Spirit lives in us. Some of you remember that I spent a couple of years teaching English in Cambodia. I went there in the early 90s and Cambodia, you may know, is a very Buddhist 
type nation that is historically speaking. Today's youth are more materialistic uh, than Buddhist, perhaps. That's more their religion almost now. But Christians are very much a minority. But I remember having a conversation with uh, my boss, the country director for World Concern, the organization that I worked with when I was there. And uh, there were some of us as a staff that were attending a wedding of one of the staff people there. And in Cambodia, they like to, you know, three-day weddings, four-day weddings. Um, you know, the music is blaring and the tables and food after food, 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 food. It's great. You'd love it. You'd love it. You know, you go. And uh, I remember Greg Keane saying to us at this, at, we were kind of together at our table that he said, you know, uh, there's a lot of darkness in Cambodia. There's a lot of spiritual darkness. There's spiritual oppression. And you can feel it. It is actually, it's palpable. Uh, there are, I'm convinced, there's a kind of a demonic spirit behind uh, Buddhism and, and, and some of these things. And it's prevalent there. It really is. Um, but Satan's response is different when there's a group of Christians in the bunch. Because we have the authority to tell Satan to go take a hike, and he knows it. And there's something about being just the salt and the light of Jesus in a very dark place that changes the complexion, even of a wedding reception. We're all sitting around. The dominant metaphors of Scripture are two, the ones that Jesus gives us in uh, Matthew chapter 5, to be salt and light. First, Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And then he tells us in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Because the light of Jesus lives in you and me. And it shines forth. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I don't think it really ever was God's plan to create a Christian nation on earth as if that could exist. God knows that you can't legislate morality or obedience or love for Jesus. And the kingdom of God, as we've sung about, is much higher and, and wider and larger than any one nation as much as we care and love this nation. Our purpose is to be salt and light. Yeah, it's important for Christians to be involved in government and politics and education and finance and civic affairs of all kinds. But it's not our job to fix everything and everyone. Jesus said, the wheat and the tares will grow together until the end, and God will sort it out in the end. No, you just focus on being the best salt and the best light that you can be. Be salty. Spice things up. Add flavor to your life and others' lives. Preserve this culture by being salt. Salt preserves. Bring healing. There are healing qualities, physical properties to, to salt that bring healing. Be a healing presence in people's lives, in the world around you. Be salty. Be light. Bring a ray of hope into this dark world. Pierce the darkness with the light of Jesus living in you. 
provide a beacon, a, a, a source of direction, a waypoint, a compass point for those who are lost. Be salty, be light. That's our calling, says Jesus. I have hope for America. It's not in a political figure or a president or a political party, God forbid. It's not in science or technology or human cleverness or our own wisdom. My hope for America is in God. He is sovereign. He is salvation. He is spirit. My hope for America is in you, the people of God. That if the people of God, those who are called by his name, the promise is if we humble ourselves and pray and seek God and turn from our wicked ways, God can heal this land. He can bring salvation to this land. A pastor, that just sounds so pie in the sky. Look at things. Don't you watch the news? Yes, I do. How many people did it take for Jesus to change the world? Twelve. Some would say eleven. Judas betrayed him. Eleven men. How many are we here today? Fifty? Sixty, maybe? Fifty? Friends, God gives us the power to do his will and way. And that's where the hope of America comes from. America's hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you today, even on this Independence Day, a, a kind of special confluence of events on the calendar. As we gather today, Lord, we know that, that America is in need of healing. It is in need of repentance and of forgiveness. And, and yet, Lord, there are many, many good things about this land. And and maybe the miracle is, is, is the mystery of your goodness in the midst of it all. How people come together in crisis and in hard times. So Lord, would you come? Would you bring healing? Help us to be the salt and the light. Help us to be faithful. Lord, we know that with you all things are possible and that there is hope for this great nation. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray it in your holy name. Amen.